This episode of Never Not Knitting is brought to you by Knitterella, stationery for knitters and crafters. Visit the shop online at www.knitterella.com. Hi, this is Alana, and you're listening to the Never Not Knitting Podcast. Hello, and thank you for joining me back today for episode 45. Just last week, I celebrated my three-year blog anniversary online, and I wanted to thank all of you for all of the kind comments that you left for me. You really are a wonderfully supportive bunch. Thank you so much. So yes, I've been blogging for three years now, and come July next year, I will have been podcasting for three years as well. And that's longer than I've stayed at most jobs, seriously. I cannot believe it's been that long. Speaking of the podcast, in the last episode I announced a drawing giveaway where everyone had a chance to enter to win a beautiful skein of Malabrigo Sock Yarn from sandrasing.com, as well as a copy of the book Brave New Knits. I picked a commenter at random using the online random number generator and I'm happy to announce that the winner is Judy A. Congratulations. When you hear this, Judy, please get in touch with me right away, and I will get your shipping information and mail this prize on out to you. Thanks to everyone who participated. Okay, so now on to today's show. Since the last episode over the past few weeks, I have been doing some knitting, but again, unfortunately, there isn't much I can tell you about it. I did complete four new designs for spring, but I should probably tell you that these are really tiny little projects. Nothing big. I'm not that fast. So those patterns will be released in 2011, one through the spring issue of an online magazine. I'll be telling you more as the dates draw closer. These designs use several different colors of Louette Gems fingering weight yarn. I knew I was going to work with a sock weight yarn for these patterns, and I picked Louette Gems for the color range. It comes in a large variety of solid colors, and I found it to just be a really good, basic superwash wool sock yarn. The designs took just tiny, tiny amounts of each color, so I have plenty left over to make my daughter that paper doll sweater that I've been talking about for ages. But since I've been slowly collecting more and more colors of Louette gems for these other designs, I have quite a selection to choose from when I get around to making this sweater. So that will be really fun when I start swatching. So besides these little projects for spring, I've also been dreaming up a follow-up design to the Autumn Vines Beret. I just got a new skein of Becoming Art yarn to work with, so that design is what I will be focusing on next. I'll be sure to keep you updated. Another random knitting-related thing I did this past week was a sweater repair. If you've listened to this podcast since the beginning, you'll remember that I used to work at a yarn shop, and I used to do sweater finishing and repair all the time. 
And if you've listened to my audio interview with Veronica Job from the Yarn on the House blog, you'll know why I uh, retired from this line of work. Yes, I've had some frightening experiences with sweater finishing and repair, but it's not just that. I find that pattern design is what I really want to be spending my time on. It's interesting, fun, sometimes grueling, but mentally stimulating all the same. I'd much rather spend my time this way than seaming up endless acrylic sweaters. Oh yeah, and um, afghans. One of the most common requests I got was to fix holes in old acrylic afghans. And I guess it makes sense. I think we all have an acrylic afghan knit by our grandma in our house, right? Somewhere in the closet or something. Just go look in your closet. I'm sure you'll find one. Anyways, these holes that I was repairing were always from the family pet. Of course. Remember that these afghans were acrylic, so it's not like moths were an issue. So anyways, these people that would come to me would bring these huge, smelly afghans covered in dog hair into the yarn shop. And I'm not exaggerating. They were always covered in dog hair. And sometimes dog slobber too, if I was really lucky. They wouldn't wash it before bringing it in because they were afraid of it unraveling more in the machine. So yeah, they came in pretty gross. The customers would come in and tell me, Hi, my dog chewed this. Can you fix this hole? My great-grandmother made this blanket. It's really special to us. It's an heirloom. It's been in our family for decades, and I really would like to get it fixed. And while I was examining the stiff, broken pieces of thread, I couldn't help but think to myself, why is a dog sleeping on this family heirloom anyways? How would great-grandma feel about this blanket that she slaved weeks or months over, ending up in the dog bed? Now, I understand that accidents happen with pets, but the Afghan's, um, aroma and the amount of dog hair on these blankets told me that this wasn't this dog's first encounter with grandma's acrylic afghan. Yes, this dog and this afghan had spent some quality time together. So, yes, basically, repair work was not exactly glamorous by any means. Sometimes I got to work on beautiful sweaters out of gorgeous yarns, and that was fun. But oftentimes, that just wasn't the case. Honestly, it was often most disgusting work or else really, really tedious. And I'm really still trying to figure out why I took on these jobs. And you might be wondering, while listening now, why did I, after wising up, go back to repair with this last job? Well, I wouldn't have under any other circumstance, but it started with a friend of mine. And don't these things always start with a friend? Yes, a very dear friend of ours works for the dry cleaners in town as a seamstress. She alters clothing, sews on buttons, and so forth. This is actually the same friend that sewed the zipper in the dad sweater for me. Anyways, she was given this expensive designer sweater to mend with this gigantic hole in the back. Tons of unraveled stitches 
and the collar was completely unraveled and detached from the rest of the sweater on one side. Being a seamstress and a non-knitter, she really had no idea what to do with this sweater. So that's where I came into the picture. When I first saw the thing, I felt a little panicky because it was so thrashed. But I figured, if I can do slobber, dog hair, dirt, and grime, I can do this. Yeah, I can do this. It kind of became an interesting challenge for me. A test in my finishing and repair skills. And let me tell you, when I did complete that sweater, I was really, really proud of my accomplishment. No one can ever tell that there was ever a hole in it. I even went to show my mom where I had fixed it, and I could barely find it. It looks really good. And for a split second, I even thought, Hey, I'm pretty good at this, and you know, this wasn't so bad. Maybe... I... Yeah, but then... I remembered. I think I'm going to be sticking with knitwear design. So in this episode, I wanted to talk about, and open a discussion in the Never Not Knitting Ravelry group about, knitting gifts for others. When I first started knitting, I only knit and crocheted for other people, for all occasions, and also for no occasion at all, and that produced mixed results. There were the people that loved the items I made for them, but most often I felt quite let down by the response. You know how it is with hand-knit gifts. Often you spend hours upon hours on the gift for someone. You take time thinking about the exact right thing to make for them, in the exact perfect shade. And as we all know, nice yarns are not cheap. Often you find that you spend way more on the materials to knit something than you would buying the ready-made item at the store. Hand-knit socks are a great example of this. But this is something that I feel that non-knitters don't always understand. I've had several experiences where I've made something for someone and then have never, ever seen it again. Occasionally, I haven't even gotten a thank you or acknowledgement for the gift. And then there was that one hat incident. Once I took the train to visit a friend from out of town, and I brought with me a hand-knit hat that I had wrapped up to give to her. But it wasn't just any hat. This was early in my knitting career, about six years ago now. So it was a very basic pattern, but the yarn I used was gorgeous and extremely soft. Everyone that I showed the hat to beforehand loved it, admired it, and said it was the softest thing they had ever felt. So I purposefully brought this particular hat with me, because I was sure that if everyone else loved it, so would my friend. And maybe she'd even think I was one really good knitter at the same time. When I arrived and presented this so-called beautiful hat to my friend, things didn't go quite as I had planned. She kind of had this peculiar look on her face as she held it in her hands. Finally, she put it on her head and burst out laughing. And at this point, I wasn't really quite sure how to react. But let's just say it was uncomfortable. It's kind of like when you're watching American Idol 
And the person is up in front of the judges, and they're this horrendous singer. And the judges say, wow, that was just really, really bad. Um, I think that you should keep your day job. And then they look at them, confused, and they say, well, everyone in the entire world has said that I'm a good singer. What are you talking about? They genuinely thought that they were good. And so the judge's reaction was surprising. And then the judges say, no, I'm sorry. Everyone's been lying to you. You're really a horrendous singer. So that's sort of how I felt about the hat. I felt like maybe this is really embarrassing. And everyone was just trying to be nice before. I don't know. So anyway, my friend, while she's laughing, wearing the hat, and looking in the mirror, um, she didn't really say anything about it. She just kind of tossed it aside giggling, and we kind of just changed the subject. Needless to say, I felt pretty dumb, and really embarrassed. Apparently, my hand-knit hat was so ridiculous, and my friend thought that me giving it to her was supposed to be a joke or something. I'm not quite sure. So, when she left the room, I took it back, and I returned it to my suitcase. And the hat was never mentioned by either of us again. To this day, I still don't know what that was all about, but it leaves me with a really embarrassed feeling every time I think of it. This experience, and others, taught me to only knit for people who really appreciate and understand handmade things. And there are people like that out there. My dad, for example, often wears and shows off the hand-knit sweater I made him. And my mother and mother-in-law are still wearing these scarves that I made them ages ago. Now, it's sweet and all, but these scarves are not exactly items that I'm proud of anymore. I can feel myself cringing with embarrassment when I see my mother donning one of my early creations and telling others how her daughter is a professional knitter. I want to say, Mom, you can wear the scarf if you want, but please don't tell anyone I made that. So anyways, knitted gifts can go both ways. I'm sure many of you have stories similar to this. I know when I worked at the yarn shop, we were always swapping stories about reactions to hand-knit gifts. So if you do have a funny story you'd like to share, please contact me to share it on the podcast in a future episode or go to the Never Not Knitting Ravelry group. I'll be starting a thread on the topic. As I mentioned in the beginning, this episode is sponsored by Knitterella. You've heard me mention Knitterella in previous episodes, because the designer of Knitterella products, Jill Zielinski, also happens to be my main graphic designer. She does freelance graphic design for many people and is quite good. Being both a graphic designer and knitter, Jill has created a very fun line of knitting-inspired note cards and note paper, but my absolute favorite product of hers is her humorous gift tags. These are tags that you fill out and attach to a hand-knit item when you're giving the item as a gift. Considering my past experiences with gift knitting, I think that these tags say exactly what the knitter is thinking, but maybe would feel too awkward to say. The four humorous tags that she offers says one of these lines, I made this especially for you. Even if you don't like it, please act like you do. Or, yes, I did make it, 
and no, you can't return it. Or, just because it was handmade doesn't mean it's cheap. And finally, the most passive-aggressive tag, and my personal favorite, is, of course I made it. Hope you like it. After all the time and thought I put into it, you better. Aside from the phrase, the tags also have a space for you to write your name and the name of the recipient so that you can personalize it. And also aside from these, she offers more generic gift tags as well. And I really like the feature on the back of the generic tags. She has a place for you to fill out the fiber content, as well as care instructions that you can circle to ensure that the gift recipient knows how to take good care of the item. They're very fun, very well designed, and something that I will definitely be adorning my handmade gifts with in the future. And aside from just the tags, she also has a line of note cards and note paper with similar humorous sayings. I think these would make great gifts for any knitter. So I invite you to please visit Jill's site at knitterella.com. That's K-N-I-T-T-E-R-E-L-L-A.com to see the products that she has to offer. These products are carried in yarn shops, so you might find them available at your local store, or you can purchase Knitterella directly through Jill's website. Jill has kindly offered a special discount on all the Knitterella products just for the Never Not Knitting listeners. You have the opportunity to get free shipping on all Knitterella purchases for the entire month of December. To receive your discount, all you have to do is mention Never Not Knitting in the checkout process. Jill will then refund you the shipping amount. Also, Jill has graciously provided me with several packs of her tags to give away in this episode's drawing. I'll be posting all of the drawing details on my blog within the week, so be sure to enter. On the subject of hand-knit gifts, this episode's knitting story was contributed by knitwear designer Melissa Labar. You'll recognize Melissa from her awesome design work for Madeline Tosh, Kelborn Woolens, and several knitting magazines, such as Knit One and Vogue, not to mention the book she released this year with Cecily Glowick MacDonald called New England Knits. She was kind enough to share a personal knitting story of her very own with the podcast entitled Special Occasion Hats. My knitting days, my great aunts were probably the biggest fans of my knitting. Every time I'd visit, they'd say, oh, what are you working on? And I'd open up my bag and I'd pull out like the sweater, the hat or whatever I was making at the time. And We'd talk about the stitch patterns and the construction, and my great-aunt Stella would comment about how everything was seamless all the time, and she only knit things with seams, and she knit until she was 91, but she just never knit anything on a round needle, or um, she just put seams in everything. It's, it's how she knew how to do things. She never really thought of doing it a different way, but she really liked to see how I made things because it was so different. Sometimes I'd bring, you know, the latest knitting magazine and they'd flip through it and comment on the patterns that were in it. And, you know, they really encouraged me in the beginning to be writing down patterns for the things that I was making. And um, 
one time I was knitting this sock and it had a really beautiful lace stitch pattern and they were talking about, oh, you know, that would be beautiful in one of your hats, like, because I was always making hats. It was, like, ridiculous. There was, I made, made like, 50 a year. And so they were um, telling me, you know, oh, you should put that stitch pattern into one of your hats. It would be so pretty. And so I had this idea that I would knit my great-aunt Stella a hat with a stitch pattern because she was the type of person that was always cold, and she wore a hat probably... 75% of the year. So she wore hats indoors all the time. And so, you know, it was spring at the time and I thought, well, I'll knit her something out of like a cotton blend and, um, you know, something that was washable. Like I, I put a lot of thought into like choosing what I would knit it with only because I wanted to make sure it would get used and like she wouldn't be afraid to shrink it or so, you know, in between the time that time and the next time I visited I knit her this hat and I brought it with me the next time and surprised her with it and she was so excited she couldn't believe I used that stitch pattern made it into a hat and she put it on and let me snap a picture of her in the kitchen and it was great like she wore it the rest of the time I was there and you know I went home and I came back to visit another time, and she wasn't wearing it. She was wearing one of her old hats, and the next time I visited, she wasn't wearing it either. But, you know, I, I finally, it took me a while to ask her, and I said, you know, oh, do you ever wear the hat I made to? And she said, oh, no, the hat is too nice to wear just every day. I, I'm going to save it for a special occasion. She wasn't really the type of person that, like, left the house for things. Like, she really was more comfortable being at home, and, you know, she didn't go out to eat. She didn't do things like that. She didn't really participate in special occasions anymore. She was in her 90s and kind of slowing down. But I thought, oh, you know, it's her hat now. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> So, but my other great aunt Estelle, you know, kept remarking on how beautiful she thought that hat was, and oh, I, what a nice job I did with that idea. And so I said, well, you know, she is the type of person who, if you buy her something, she always uses it, or if you make her something, I'm sure she would use it. So I decided to knit her the same hat, and I chose, uh, silk wool blend and this beautiful teal that I thought would look gorgeous on her and I whipped that hat up and the next time I visited I brought it over and you know she was so happy there were like tears in her eyes and she couldn't believe I made this beautiful hat for her and she tried it on it fit perfectly and it was like yes you know I made this hat and this hat will get used like you know I told her you know she I knew she would hand wash it if I told her to, and yeah, so um, I never saw that hat again. I let it go for a few months, but then it was really cold out, and I said, oh, why don't you wear that hat I made you? And she said, but the hat is too nice to wear. I wouldn't just wear it around the house. I'm going to save it. And you know, now it's four years later, and I've never seen that hat again. She doesn't wear it. I, I don't think it's a matter of not appreciating it. 
I think it's exactly the opposite. I think that she appreciated it so much that both of them, that they really didn't want to wreck it, like that it was something to them that was really nice and like deserved like a special place in a drawer with other things that are really nice and you don't use. So, um, it's been, it's hard for me to knit things for people that I don't think would get used, but I guess this time it was okay because I knew it was because they did like it. Thank you again to Melissa for sharing this story. Sounds like she needed some Nidorella tags as well, don't you think? Maybe Jill should design a tag that says, I made this for you to use, not to keep in a drawer. Yes, I think that some of us need tags like that. Anyways, you can check out Melissa's blog and all of her beautiful designs at www.knittingschooldropout.com or you can find her on Ravelry as Knitting Dropout. I'll be linking to all of her information in this episode's show notes. Also, Melissa has kindly contributed a signed copy of her book, New England Knits, to this episode's drawing giveaway to go along with the Knitterella tags. This is one beautiful publication, and another big reason not to forget to enter this drawing. Thank you to Melissa and Jill for providing these prizes. As a reminder, the show notes for this episode, and all episodes of Never Not Knitting, can be found on my blog at nevernotknitting.com. You can also find me over on Ravelry as Never Not Knitting, and you can email me at nevernotknitting at gmail.com. Please join me back for another episode on December 15th. You can look forward to another great promotion and drawing, as well as a knitting story contributed by Melinda Bernardi. All you French Press Knits fans will not want to miss this. Until next time. She won't even do the dishes. The house plants, they're all dead. Yeah, her needles are a clicking from morning. Until she goes to bed She won't take the time to brush her teeth Let's not even talk about her hair If it isn't about knitting She just doesn't really care She's never not knitting and it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. Pop ramen again. She just won't stop the stitching. And the neighbors say it really is quite sad. I don't know about her. She used to be such a sweet girl, but now she's just knit. Nobody has clean laundry. No pants, no shirts, no underwear. But they have closets full of sweaters. And more socks than they could ever wear. There's yarn in the fridge, in the cupboards, the bathtub and pantry. It's even in the washer and dryer, 
that's why she can't do any laundry. I need some clothes. She's never not knitting, and it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. I'm filing for divorce. She just won't stop her stitching, and the neighbors say it's really getting bad. She's taking pictures of socks again. Oh, poor girl. The house is burning up in flames. Call 911. Her husband says, get up, let's go. But she can't set down her project. She says, just let me finish up this row. She's never not knitting. And it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. She just won't stop her stitching. And, well, she's losing all she had.